up, everyone, and welcome to the What You Got podcast, where we talk topics A to Z and everything in between. I'm Jordan Palmer, joined as always by Charlie Bud, and today, in the lead up to the 2022 Oscars, we're talking Coda, Apple TV's multi-nominated film that follows Ruby Rossi, a hearing teen in a deaf family trying to branch out and pursue her musical dream. Please note, this episode will contain spoilers, so if you have plans on watching Coda without knowing what happens... Tag out of this episode. <laughs> but I want to kick this one off at the very beginning, and by that, I mean before the movie started, what did you know about Coda? And so, with that, Charlie, I'm going to pass it off to you. What you got? Well, I knew very little about this movie going into it. I knew it was about a, you know, Coda, given the title, I knew it was a child of deaf adults. Uh, so I knew going in that um, she just had a whole family of deaf people. And I think I knew, I didn't think she was deaf. I think, or I guess I should say, I wasn't sure if she was. And uh, going into the movie, I didn't know what it was about whatsoever. Um, I simply just knew it had to do with a deaf family. And that was my expectation going into it. Uh, when, But I wasn't, like I said, sure if she was, the main character was supposed to be deaf or not. And it turns out it, she wasn't. Uh, and then it's kind of like, you know, um, she's the only one who is not deaf in her family. So, uh, that was like the only like thing that I didn't know, but wasn't like surprised to learn about what the film was actually about. But the rest of it, I, you know, I had no idea what the actual plot of the movie was or like what the direction of the movie was going to go. So it was all just a big like surprise to me. So what did you know about it going in? No, so like yourself, I knew that it was about a child of a deaf adult. And interestingly enough, I did know she had a brother, and I thought that he could hear as well, Mm -hmm. only to find out that he was deaf. So she was one hearing person in a family of four, all deaf, and she was fully thrown into it. So I imagined actually, so I didn't know too much, but I thought it would kind of follow in the same vein as The Sound of Metal, fully immerse you into kind Mm -hmm. of the deaf experience. But I really appreciated the fact that it kind of dabbled in between. So I know my, my dad watched it with me, and he is not a fan of subtitles. I will say he really enjoyed this movie. Um, but it was kind of cool just to be able to go back and forth and just uh, hear it, but then also appreciate when they were signing and then just reading too. Yeah, I agree. I think the entire like plot of the movie was really cool. Um, I mean, we'll get into it, I think, a little bit more. But I just thought it was very interesting kind of perspective to have how, like, you have one kid in the family, the only one in the family, who can hear, who yeah, isn't, you know, deaf. And that's like, it brings such an interesting perspective on kind of the life that she lives. Like, you know, she kind of lives like two lives in, in a weird way. Like, you know, she goes home to a family that is like, you know, and they even say at some point, like, we don't really, you don't kind of outside of the community in a sense, you know. And then like she goes to school where... Uh, for some a weird reason, I guess, that, you know, because people are awful human beings or she gets constantly made fun of for having uh, a deaf family. Like, you know, the, I understand that, it was, you know, I guess it was like part of like some plot or like, you know, character development, but we'll talk about it a little bit more. But like, it's just, you know, it was interesting to have that perspective because, you know, I think in a way it weighed on her. Um, as we like learn throughout the film in various different ways where she just seems like she's exhausted kind of being the family's, you know, quote, like interpreter, uh, you know, 
uh, and uh, be constantly reminded about how, you know, her family is different and not necessarily normal compared to everyone else that she, you know, you know, she goes to school with. And like, even though herself is quote unquote normal in the eyes of the, the school body, um, she has to, you know, like deal with that. She can't just go to school you know, she can't just be a kid, you know, another, you know, person in the classroom. She's, you know, it, it was an interesting perspective, but. No, I agree with you. And it was interesting because I was running and thinking about the movie, like mm. as I was working out earlier today. And I thought like, yeah, it was fascinating that they had people bully her about mm. her her family. And I mean, I understand, yeah, there's those D-bags out there who will totally do that. But I was yeah. hoping, you know, in high school in this day and age. Somebody wouldn't make fun of someone for being different. Something, especially that they couldn't control or anything like that. But yeah. unfortunately, we live in a kind of world where that is not the case always. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. But I guess uh, thinking about that, the film really starts off with um, Ruby, the main character, and her her dad and her brother on a boat because mm-hmm. they're a fishing family and they live in Massachusetts. And you kind of got a sense for where the movie might go because. She's more or less singing at the top of her lungs over this loud engine while they're just working. Yeah. And so I guess thinking about that, what did you think of the setting and what did you think about the exposition early? Um, film? I, you know, I liked the setting. I had no idea that it was going to be like a fishing kind of, you know, like I had that has been like such a big part of the movie, like the fishing family business. And um, which I thought was a really cool kind of way is just like. You know, it's like, yeah, deaf people can fish, you know, it's just, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, no, they're normal. I mean, they're normal thing, you know, it is. And um, I thought it was just really cool, but I didn't actually pick up on the music thing right away. I just thought it was just like, she was singing really loudly. I'm like, oh yeah, it's because they're deaf. So she could just sing at the top of her lungs to nobody's hindrance. So like, you know, that that, that was just like an interesting touch. But um, what I did find was interesting though, is that how quickly it kind of jumped in. I think by like 10 minutes into the movie, she's like signing up for chorus essentially. Mostly because she yes. has like a crush on that guy named miles um, who I, you know, I have a lot of complaints about miles, but we'll get into the complaints about miles in a second here. Um, but uh, anyways, the, so she immediately goes into chorus and I like was like, okay, so this is like a music thing. You know, we were seeing that a, She's singing on the boat a lot, and she wants to sign up for chorus. And then we later find out she's got like all these records and stuff. She really likes music, which I thought was an interesting kind of contrast to the whole, you know, growing up in a deaf family. Like to me, when I was in, when I noticed that she's like really into music, wants to sing and all that stuff, it kind of seemed like her escape in a sense from the deaf, like her deaf family, like. It's clear that, you know, the bullying and all that stuff is probably something that goes on for a while in her family or or in her life. And the music part of it is something that she can enjoy alone without any interruption from, like, her family. And because, you know, they're just in, you know, it's not part of it. They're, you know, deaf. I I don't mean to sound coy or anything, but, like, um, it, it just, I thought it was really interesting that the movie is kind of showing, like, really opposite sides to like you know it's just like of like the coin here you know like uh music is like the most is the one thing that is like so far and away that like a deaf person can enjoy right because you know they just can't they can't hear they can't hear the music they can't hear the lyrics and you know the change in the tune and all that stuff so um it's it's really like 
I thought that was a really interesting way to go about it instead of kind of having like how that was at conflict with um, the family fishing thing throughout the kind of the entire movie. But what did you think about that? No, kind of in that, like along with that. So mm-hmm. you had that contrast of she wanted to pursue music and she comes from a deaf family. Mm-hmm. But I think something that I noticed really early on was the confidence she exuded around her family, especially when it came to kind of being the interpreter and managing the business. They show early on when she's trying to cut a deal with, I guess, the people who buy the fish from mm-hmm. them. And she's basically a full-on adult at that point in time, even though she's still in high school. But then, you know, flash forward and she's actually in school and she's looking at Miles. And you can just see that she's nervous mm-hmm. and she doesn't feel comfortable in that environment. And so it was interesting to note just kind of the, the contrast between the two selves in that regard, uh, along with the music. Mm-hmm. And so I was curious because I did hear her sing on the boat. And I was like, oh, like she actually has a very good singing voice. And so she's talking to her friend. uh, and They're trying to figure out just what's an easy class or elective or whatever it is to take. And choir comes up and she hears her crush, Miles, sign up for it. And she signs up for it as well without even hesitating. And then you see the anxiety come out again because the teacher, Mr. Villalobos, uh, was basically having everybody sing to determine what their their vocal range was, and it's finally her turn, and everybody did it more or less, and she runs out of the room. So it just showed that ultimate anxiety, even though she knows that she probably knows she has a decent singing voice. There's still just that uh, mm-hmm. discomfort with being out in that kind of a setting. Yeah, and I think a big part of it too, like the reason why it was so discomforting for her is because as I mentioned earlier, is that like music was the kind of the escape from like the deaf family. She's only ever done it with herself. Her family can't hear her sing. She can scream at the top of her lungs in her own home with her family home, but they'll never know what she's doing in her room. And um so, you know, then she like it's something that's almost like private personal to her. It's like her uh, you know, like it's her escapism from the hardships of life, whether that be the stress from family or the stress from school, constantly being reminded of the enormous stress that her family has. So yes, while she does kind of give off that a lot of ex- like really like you know adulthood because she kind of has to in those situations to help her family, and I think she's sympathetic for her family, obviously because you know they ha- they have trouble hearing, and it, it is definitely kind of a pain point. Uh, especially like comes later on with like Leo t- really pushing her, you know, trying to push her towards something that she really enjoys. And that like um, she t- her him telling her to like, we don't need you, you know, like we can figure it out for ourselves. We were fine as a family t- before you came along kind of thing. Um, uh, and I think being in that moment though, when she has to sing in front of a class, like it was more so that like, what if she is bad? You know, what, what if that, what, how would that like, and I think in that moment she was thinking, would that change how I like enjoy music right now? How would that change? Like if I would still love it, would I still want to like really be into it and sing at home all the time? If I'm just like bad, I might, that might crush her spirits in some sense or her love for it. And then like, you know, what does she have at that point? Um, if that's not yeah. something she could really realistically do, because I think in the back of her head, music has always been kind of like this unattainable dream. And then like now she has this opportunity to show it to the world and she's actually scared to take that step. So no dude, that's ooh, Charlie. You're talk, talk that talk. You talk <laughs> that talk. I think it's, that's dude, super insightful, but I think it also has to do with just kind of her sense of self. Like 
when she's singing, she's her true self, and that's never been anything she's been able to share with anybody, even mm-hmm. the people closest to her. Like throughout the movie, it's reinforced that her family does everything together and they're super close, but that's just something that she's never been able to share with them, obviously, because they're deaf. Mm-hmm. So having people criticize her or seeing that kind of deteriorate. It's almost in an analogy, like the king isn't wearing clothes, and that's when they finally tell him or her, yeah. and uh, it all kind of comes crashing down, and she's like, I don't know who I am or mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to do, because I think the whole time she's trying to be more than the like Fisher girl, but at the same time, it's just like, that's the one thing that's, that's keeping her kind of outside of that, but if that was to fall, then it'd all be over. So, mm-hmm. dude, talk that talk. All right. But I'm curious, you mentioned Miles, and yes. we get a little taste for him early on because the two are paired up for a duet. But what are your thoughts on him as a character? Um, I thought his character could have been completely cut from the entire movie. Uh, I'm sorry, but here is why. His character is just a non-character. It's supposed to be set up as like this motivating factor for her to get into choir, but I don't think it was needed because, A, it's already clear that she has a massive love for music outside of just Miles signing up for it. The movie makes it plays it off like that she's only doing it because Miles signed up. And maybe that was true in this scenario, um, but it's already established and even more established throughout the film that she really likes music. You know, she has records. She has a record player. She sings to herself on the boat in the first opening seconds of the movie she sings all the time and then her signing up for choir could have easily been established as something that she really was passionate about as it is in the movie you know miles is supposed to be there to kind of serve as like i'm the guy that gets her into choir but you know whatever not to mention that his character is completely non-existent what do you really know about miles his family is kind of like a broken home i guess not really because his parents are just mad or always fighting divorced i couldn't follow and that his parents or his dad was like some classical musician who told him that he had to follow in the footsteps or like had to be in choir who says that their kid has to be in choir and then be that good <laughs> and then his dad's like I, my dad never let me play the guitar because he said it wasn't a real string instrument so like how is this kid popular exactly it sounds like he's like you know the orchestra violin player you know like i mean not to squander those people but i'm just like curious why he's considered popular or whatever or is just everyone like equally popular except for the girl who has the deaf fishing family like that's just what i don't (laughs) understand and like then they get into a relationship at some point and i'm just like why he literally serves no purpose in this film whatsoever the relationship doesn't really do anything he serves as no springboard for any change in the actual character he is literally just a prop piece for a romantic interest that has absolutely no influence or depth to him whatsoever and um yeah that's basically it and he's supposed to just be there for the duet he could have just been the guy that they had to do the duet with and it could have been a film battling about her like inner struggles about the confidence of singing in front of others and on stage but instead they had to go with this whole romantic relationship which i didn't like because his character was flat and boring and one-dimensional but that's my take on miles come cut him from the film So, so you're you're on the fence about how you feel about Miles. I'm just on a little on the fence. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> a little, he's on the fence trying to decide. Yeah. Wow. You know, actually, though, it's funny. 
So I would, I'll disagree. I think he needs to be in it. But at the same time, to your point, mm-hmm. first off, I didn't even pick up on the fact that his dad was a musician. So I don't know if he's a musician, but he just was like, you know, Miles mentions that he has to do choir and that his dad said a guitar wasn't a real string instrument. And that is like okay. all we know about him is that his dad or his parents stink and that he has to be in music. <laughs> That's all we know. <laughs> he has no other personality traits. He mentioned the fact that his parents obviously, I guess, disagree and they get into arguments. But like you said, I didn't know if they were together or not. Mm-hmm. I, I think they were based on what I heard. Yeah. And at the same time, I was like, like, was that really necessary for the film? I don't think it drove anything for I think it was supposed to make Ruby feel better about her family situation. But at the same time, I mean, I think she came around to loving her. Like, she loved her family, obviously. And she came around to loving them even more. So I don't think it was necessarily um, essential to, to move the film forward. Uh, but I will say this in Miles' defense for hashtag Team Miles. <laughs> Throw that up on the, uh, the Twitter. <laughs> but I was going to say that I think he was essential for giving Ruby somebody to share music with. Obviously, she had her teacher, but even then, it was just kind of like the power dynamic was different because he was trying to help her along. And it was more of like a teacher to a student relationship. And her friend was involved, but she was involved with Leo, who is mm. Ruby's brother. And he's also deaf, in case you're yeah. tracking that. And um, so it's just like she needed someone outside of her family and her friend group who that she could just be a normal human being with. And I think because she was so passionate about music and Miles seemed to be passionate, like in some ways, obviously not as passionate as she was about music. It kind of gave them something to connect, to connect over and it added to the escape element because not only when she sang was she able to escape, but it was also like when she was with him, she was able to escape too. Mm. I know you, you feel a little strongly about Miles. I mean, I mean, I think, though, the bigger, like, driving force and, like, what, like, makes her overcome and, like, find that love for music is her teacher more than Miles, which is more, mm-hmm. like, I feel like he could still play, though, that role. Like, I felt like them sharing the music interest would have been, it's like a scene, you know? It's only, like, one scene when he comes over the very first time, and then throughout the rest of the movie, he's just kind of, like, blacklisted from her. Like, and then, like, they, she kind of makes it up to her by, like, meeting her and they go swimming in whatever. And that's really all we, they don't discuss music, I guess, is my point. And okay, that's fair, th- and like, fair. that's my that's like my biggest problem. I feel like the music aspect could have just been completely cut out of Miles and put all those towards the teacher. Because why wouldn't the music teacher have also interest in the music that she listens to? You know, like it would have been it would have made perfect sense in that regard. And it could have served him more as a mentor in like guiding her through like the struggles that she might have had in like music or um you know, high school life, you know, like it could have been that mentor and he is supposed to be kind of that mentor, you know, figure, um, in a way, but it's like less than I would, was hoping for, but, uh, and you know, I felt like a lot of the development from her character throughout the movie comes from the situations and experiences with, um, her family. I can agree with you on that one. And I will say this because you mentioned like the social hierarchy of high school. And this is not to sound mean. This is just to sound like a point I appreciated about the film. Miles wasn't like some buff athletic, like, you know, Adonis who was an incredible singer. He was just a normal dude. And she just had a crush on a normal guy. Thank God for once Hollywood didn't get some, you know, like 
super yeah super sexy like you know uh sex icons like hollywood stars to be you know the i agree love interests they're just normal looking people and that's what i really liked about it i think it would have taken away from everything else that was going on if that had been the case yeah he's just like some super mega hunk and he's just like he's got like a six pack at 17 just like <laughs> just like cut up looking like a linebacker chiseled jaw <laughs> it's a bodybuilder on the side let me we meet him in the meet him for the first time he's like bench pressing 400 pounds in his garage it's like sorry i'm just doing my warm-up just let me uh, put, put the rack up for a second what's going on ruby yeah no so i did appreciate that a hundred percent and then okay we mentioned the t- her teacher and this is someone who pretty instantly takes a i would say a liking to ruby he yeah. compares her timidness um, and he, he talks about Bob Dylan and how David Bowie said his voice sounded like sand and glue. And he said, and then he had her sing for him. And he said, you don't sound like that. So you have something to say. And he was kind of pushing her to pursue this dream that was there in kind of the back of her mind, but she never really acknowledged it. What did you think about uh, her teacher as a whole? Uh, I really liked him. I think he was supposed to be the mentor role. And I don't, I mean, I think he did a good job. I wish, I think, I wish they explored the relationship a little bit more. Um, but I, I, I really liked his character. I think he does really push her and especially like out of her comfort zone, gives her confidence. I mean, this is seen through like a variety of different ways. Like when he makes her like bark in front of the class, sing in front of the class, like, cause you know, he, he, you know, she, for, she first shows up to choir. She runs away. She doesn't want to sing. She comes back. She talks to the teacher and, um, he gets her, brings her up in front of the class. Like I'm getting you out of your comfort zone. You know, I'm going to make you sing in front of the class. That's what he's thinking to himself because he wants to test her. He wants to see, he doesn't know how good she is. He doesn't, but he just wants to see. So she sings, and he's like, wow, this girl is good. Not sand and glue, he says. And he starts calling her Bob, which I thought was really interesting. Um, you know, I liked that. I'm not going to lie. It was endearing. It was very <laughs> endearing. And then like he immediately think, thinks that, like, wow, she's really good. She's got talent, and he takes an interest in her, and like they start – uh, taking lessons or like he starts giving her lessons. They meet, I, I, it sounded like every day. Um, and they were just, there was a nice little montage of them like practicing and all that stuff. It was really great. Um, I thought this movie did a pretty good job with their effective use of montages. I always do love a good montage, but, um, preach. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I liked him. I wish, he, as I said, though, I wish he did a little bit more of the mentor role because I think his, I think the development was like split between um, him and Miles. Even though I think Miles was a non-character, that was somehow a character uh, that could have been absorbed into Mister V, and he could have also taken more of a mentorship role, if they, especially if they wanted to focus a lot more on like Ruby's internal struggles like uh woman versus woman kind of internal strife which i think is definitely a theme throughout this movie or woman versus self i don't remember what it's called i think it's woman versus self woman versus woman would be like if she was facing off against an adversary or something like that yeah i was picking up your opinion yeah picking up your opinion. <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man but it's, it's it is fascinating because they had 
Miles Incorporated in there, mm-hmm. and then they had Mr. V in there, but then they had her family in there. And her yeah. family was obviously the biggest part because this movie is called Coda. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they more or less did a good job balancing. And kind of now that I'm thinking about it more, to your point, Miles might not necessarily have had to be in there because I think it would have been better had they just divided up the Mr. V mm-hmm. and family. I, I still appre- I'm still T. Miles, but <laughs> that might have been a little bit more effective. Um, but no, her family was a group of characters, and I'm I'm wondering, do you have a favorite family member? Um, I don't know. I just I like them all like kind of equal. Like, I think them as like a an ensemble in a sense are like just a really good like characters. They're all just so interesting. The entire family dynamic I just like loved watching is just that they're so open with each other. It's just kind of, it's kind of funny. I mean, when like her parents are, they're having sex and they just don't know that she's home and like, she has to like flick the lights on and off. Like it sounded, it seemed like that's something she's had to do before. Um, that's the impression that I got. And, and then like the fact that they have to go and, um, into the doctors and like say like oh you can't have like sex for two weeks and he goes never ever again <laughs> and they're just like no and he's like fine two weeks and they're like we can't do it we can't do it <laughs> <laughs> dude i was in the process of trying to figure out how to get subtitles and i finally figured it out for that scene and i was so glad because me and my dad were both well, the subtitles weren't me. automatically on for the sign parts for you no that's so weird. They were automatically on for me. Okay. See, Apple TV is messing. Do you keep subtitles on normally? No. I didn't have subtitles on at all. The sign parts just had subtitles. Jeez. Okay. So I started it and I was, I was going back and forth between a couple of settings. And so I figured out how to get that to show, but I could only get it to show when everything had subtitles. So the whole movie was subtitled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was another feature in which you could literally have subtitles and have this voice explaining what everybody's doing at this. I guess it's for possibly people who are like have impairment with their vision, but yeah. Okay. That's good to know that you just, cause I was wondering, cause they started signing and at first me and my dad were like, are they just not gonna like tell us what they're saying or yeah. will it pop up later? And then we figured out we needed to just throw the subtitles on. It's odd. Cause I mean, I watched it on yes. Apple TV too and I, I, it was just like that. I don't know. Apple, what's going on? Yeah, what are we doing? What are we doing? But I did, from the jump, they established the family dynamic because Leo, the brother, was on Tinder. And he was going through it with his mom and dad. And they were like, oh, this is a family activity because we can all enjoy it. And (laughs) it was just like, what is going on here, dude? I know. Oh, man. But I will say, of the family, I loved them all. I loved them all. I think probably my fave was the now, I guess, supporting nominee uh, for the Oscar, uh, Troy Kotzer, for who was her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, that dude, it was, it's amazing it was really too, and this is something I came to appreciate, because while this film obviously is, is a great, you don't understand necessarily how much is, it's not spoken by the family, they're all just signing. Yeah. And it's incredible by how much they're able to emote during, I know that's part of, obviously, mm-hmm utilizing sign language but at the same time like it's just they were on this next level when it came to signing and i really felt what they were trying to say and so i just uh really pre but the dad had such a funny sense of humor and the scene where she's like leaving school and her parents pull up to pick her up 
and literally they're blasting like gangster rap music and she just wants to die yeah. i i felt that i felt that i felt that dude. i felt that especially since because you know that they're just like deaf they don't realize like how loud it is and like she's just like i just want to die i want to roll up and die <laughs> like, i just want to die right now. yeah dude and the oh entire gosh, like so school's funny. like out and getting out of school right now and they're all like it's just like oh my god <laughs> it's what nightmares are made of yeah. man it's like i love how the bass makes my seat feel it's just like <laughs> oh my god. like please please drive away please drive away right now mm-hmm. oh man yeah there's no coming back from that that was no. uh that was a tough. huge hit to the social status i mean Goodness it sounded gracious. like it was low but like damn yeah it just it just went lower somehow <laughs> unfortunately there is a, a lower from where she was <laughs> <laughs> but they talk about you know just moving forward with the plot she becomes more engrossed in her family's business which is this fishing business yeah and so as we're seeing the, I guess, people who are buying the fish and selling them on the market start really taking advantage of the fishermen. They're mm-hmm. forcing them to have like a person part of regulation, yep. ride out with them at their expense. And they said it costs more to have this person ride along with them than they made in a day. So they're basically losing money mm-hmm. in that regard. They're just getting squeezed by the man, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and she becomes an essential part of her family's business because she's the only one who's hearing, so she has to be able to communicate back and forth with her family. And it was fascinating to me, too, because the whole time, Leo was like, I can, you know, I can kind of read lips, I can do this, and his parents just never gave him a shot. shot, So I'm curious what you thought about Leo's arc throughout this film. Um, So Leo's character, I think, you know, he clearly is, as you mentioned, somebody who is just like frustrated that like the family relies so much on Ruby and he can clearly see uh, as the movie kind of progresses that Ruby has like a talent for something that isn't necessarily just stuck fishing. He wants a better life for her because this is the life that he and his family has. She's, you know, you know, she can do so much more and she has the talent because, you know, he's being told by one of her uh, friends or Leo's being told by Ruby's friend. I forget her name that like, yeah, she's really good at singing. And then, you know, she's got a real talent for it. She's super good and yada, yada, yada. So not only is he like, you know, frustrated about the fact that, you know, he is annoyed that Ruby has to like always kind of, kind of step in for him and his dad. Um, and he doesn't want that. Like he, he's like, I really, and he, I think he does get frustrated about that because you know, he gets in a bar fight. You know, like someone spills beer on him, and I think that's kind of like pent up anger over the fact that like he can't always do everything, uh, or he doesn't he doesn't like the fact that Ruby does everything. So he gets in that bar fight, and um, I think that's kind of like a turning point for him to really want to stand up, and he needs to figure out like a way. And I think a big part of that is when uh, they open up their own business, and he really takes like charge about like how they're gonna do it. I think. In the movies, like I'll figure out a way, like I'll double their pay and all that stuff. So like they really build up this business. They see that montage of like them kind of moving from just like their little table out on the marina into like this whole warehouse thing. And they get like the interview and um, 
I don't know if like his arc is like fully resolved. Did you feel like it was fully resolved? Because I don't see what the payoff was. Like Ruby, he pushes Ruby out. I think that is like the biggest pivotal moment. He's kind of like this side force. His arc is like pushing Ruby out and also convincing the parents to like let Ruby do her thing. But I don't know if like the resolution of the other conflict that he has to deal with, which is like man versus environment is in a sense where, you know, like he has to still deal with being deaf in a hearing world. And I don't know if that net part is necessarily resolved, but I think his arc is more to serve Ruby's arc in that he is able to convince the parents and Ruby to pursue her dream. Definitely. And the thing that I appreciated that they really made sure to hammer home was the fact that it wasn't so much about he felt left out mm-hmm. or like he didn't feel like they were recognizing what he could do. He just wanted to give Ruby the option to get out and like yeah. to pursue the dream that she had always had. So mm-hmm. it was just really him being a good brother. So mm-hmm. I did like really appreciate him for that. And it's fascinating, too, because he almost serves as a direct contrast to their mother played mm-hmm. by Marley Matlin, yeah. who essentially, and they make com- like they men- make mention of it several times, that she's so engrossed with just like their community, their family. Like you're not even a part of like the community. You don't get out. And you can see her insecurity. Like there's a scene in which Ruby has, to, she's been late for a couple of practices with Mr. V and she needs to get there on time because she said, I promise I won't be late. And so she was heading off there and her mom reminds her that this TV crew is coming in to interview them as they're starting their business. And you could just see the discomfort in the mom's face yeah. at the possible, which once again goes to Marley Matlin's acting ability. I know. But um, the possibility that they would be kind of on the hook for that and wouldn't have uh, Ruby interpreting. And unfortunately, Ruby stays. And this kind of actually reminds, reminds me of another point that I forgot to mention about Mr. V. Because there is a moment in which he says, I have a lot of things going on in my life like you don't know. And you just never know what happens from there and you you see his daughter in one scene and then you see his wife and daughter when they're at the concert but you just never hear about that and i always wondered like what was that that was going on so yeah maybe pushing for miles to get out and have more on mr v that could have been <laughs> you're making me a believer slowly but surely slowly but surely i'm still team miles though but also i never understood why like she like why there never was a scene where she kind of explains the situation that's going on with her family i feel like this is something that was so easily kind of explained like like, hey, listen, I have a family thing. They're deaf. They don't have an interpreter. And they're doing an interview for their new business. I just can't make it tonight. Like, I like, and I have to do, like, all this work for them because I'm the only one in the family that can, like, you know, interpret what they're saying. Nobody here, no sign. Um, I just didn't understand why they didn't, like, kind of showcase that scene. I don't – it seems like it was just conflict to have conflict even though it didn't really matter in the end because he immediately took her back in, like, the next – scene so it was just kind of odd to me that this was never a brought up or even shown it could have been brought up off screen but that we just had to assume and there's no concrete evidence whatsoever of that and like we don't like yes he must have a lot going on in her uh, in his life but her life is also just like i don't know like it's hard to understand because we only have one perspective like yes you have stuff going on in your life. Everyone does. But we only see her perspective. And she doesn't even get a chance to do explain her situation to him. And I don't know if he fully realizes the situation, which was what was frustrating to me about the whole thing. And um, I also understand, though, like 
that Ruby also felt in that moment really, really kind of just like, why do I always have to be there for my family? Like the mom is like, we need you kind of thing. And that must feel like, you know, very conflicting for her in that moment because she's like torn between being a duty to the family and making sure that they're okay in the sense that they can really, you know, elevate their status as like, you know, making more money and then also being able to like, you know, torn between that and going to like pursue the music dream. So, um, I don't know if this will answer it for you there, bud, but I, there was a moment that I think kind of came to, more or less summarize the character of Ruby mm-hmm. <laughs> and your favorite character who kind of segues into it. Miles is talking about seeing her out with her family, when I think he said they were like eight or third grade. Yeah. I think it was third grade. Yeah. And he said that she was basically ordering for the family, like an adult, mm-hmm. like a baller. And she ordered like two beers and he had so much respect for her. And I think in some ways, and then and like Leo talks about it too, when he's kind of yelling at her for always being the family's like foundation as opposed to pursuing her own dreams. Mm-hmm. She's, I think throughout the film, just that same third grade kid trying to protect her family. And so when it came to Mr. V and it would have probably been an easy conversation, yes, it could have gone into to detail about that. But I think at the same time, she didn't want to necessarily have to explain. I think she wants to establish the sense of normalcy and kind of cover and, raise as few questions and make as few people pity her as possible. Like the whole moment in which they're having a private singing lesson at Mr. V's house. And she was telling him that when she was younger and started school, she sounded like a deaf person trying to speak because obviously that's all she was around. And he kept asking her, well, what does that sound like? And she wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of once again to protect her family and, and protect herself too. And just prevent that from being put out there. Yeah. I mean, because she's already had, like, as you, I think you mentioned, like, with Miles, like, kind of been burned by that, you know, letting people in and showing kind of, like, what her family's like as, like, a deaf person. And even though he didn't mean to do it, like, it still got out and, like, she got bullied for it, which these people are just awful. <laughs> like, just genuinely Dude, terrible people. savages. Goodness There gracious. was a kid in my school who was, you know, was fine hearing, but his parents were deaf. So, like, this is the exact situation, but nobody bullied him for, like, having yeah. deaf parents. Like, got to be, like, some psycho to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I just, I have no pity for people. <laughs> hey, people who are going out of their way to make someone feel bad. Yeah. But, I mean, you can't, I mean, they can't, like, it's not a matter of they can't defend themselves. But it's like, dude, you're really going to, like, try and go in on someone about something, like, so minimal as that. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, I have no, no respect for people like that. Yeah, it's just- that's just oh, how geez. humans work. Um, unfortunately. Unfortunately, that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. But um, oh, what are they saying? Um, no, but They're also talking. I feel like Rubio is also not always, you know, the one in the right all the time. I think to her dad's point when she didn't show up to fishing that one day to go swim with Miles, she's like, you can't blame this on me. I'm like, I think they definitely can. Absolutely that can. That was the one time. I was like, you absolutely like, yeah. can be blamed, you know, because they, you know, get suspended, they lose their voting license, and it's because she simply just doesn't tell her dad, like, hey, I'm not going to come to work tomorrow, and I can't be your interpreter. Like, he makes a great point. He's like, you should have told me. He's like, you can't blame this on me. Like, yeah, we can, because you didn't say anything. You didn't tell anybody that you were going to show up. What, they're just not going to go fishing that day? This is their livelihood. It depend they you depend on it literally. Like them not going fishing for the day is a loss of money, and they need the money clearly because the these these the auctioners or whoever they take too much money from them, 
and you know that that's kind of like the big setup point but i was like i don't think she's always at fault she definitely has valid points but at the same time she isn't at fault or she isn't always at fault there or she's at fault often like in those situations or in that situation yeah in that in that situation she was definitely in the wrong and he even said like if you had just told me i could have made like you know arrangements mm-hmm. to at least help us through the days so that it wasn't like that but you didn't and here we are and the crazy thing that i could not understand was the mom kept saying sell the boat and i was like that's literally all he really knows how to do and he, slash yeah how i mean you guys he makes making that point money. too yeah yeah and then he said i was like what is the what is the plan mm-hmm. what is the plan here uh, and it's interesting too. They talk about money problems. One, like she walks in our parents arguing, and you kind of feel it, but you don't really feel it after that. I know it doesn't really kind of get brought up again. I guess in a sense, like the whole like when she says, "I want to go to Berkeley," there is never a question about, "Well, how is it going to be paid? How are we going to send you to school? Like, what what's the deal here?" It's never brought up. Literally, never brought mm-hmm. up. Even though it's brought up out without her parents present. Is that like there's a scholarship available, but she never brings that up. They don't ask. So it, it is kind of weird. And um, they do bring up saying that they we're going to sell the boat again at some point. But the, like the financial strain on the family is never actually brought up again. They start their own business, somehow have money to get a warehouse. Who knows? And it works out, which is great and all. But the whole financial thing, that angle is never brought up. So you got to wonder why that was put in in the first place. Is this supposed to be kind of I, – I was like trying to think, like, is this supposed to be like something that where she has to feel guilty about not doing the fishing thing or wanting to pursue her own dreams? Is that the whole reason why that, that was brought in? But I, I didn't really understand that because I felt like she already had so much of that piled on. I don't think we needed the financial burden angle to it uh, added as well. Uh, especially since you don't do anything with it at the end of the day. And I think honestly, just from the, like that whole auction setting, I think you could tell that things were a little tight because Mm -hmm. they were getting jibbed in terms of their catches. Yeah. And you could basically infer that they weren't doing necessarily as well as they possibly could be financially. Yeah. 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 But from there, I guess the film culminates into this audition. So essentially Mm -hmm. the, over the course of the entire movie, uh, Ruby and her teacher, Mr. V, are preparing her for this audition for the Berkeley School of Music yeah. that she had originally no plans of auditioning for. She had no plans of going to college, actually. She was just going to continue to work on the boat, yep. but it becomes available. She goes back and forth, and then finally, on the day of, when she was not going to do it, her whole family gets her up, and they go. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that sequence? Um... It was really touching, honestly. I thought it was incredibly heartwarming. Like, you know, it's her family. I think seeing her, even though they're they're, they're deaf, and like I really like back, back, you know, rewinding a little bit to the point where, uh, you know, she does like the spring show or fall show, whatever season it was, um, where they do their little choir set concert, and she does the duet and like, um, I like how it like transfers because we hear the song throughout the entire movie so often they actually take it from the parents perspective and like they completely cut the sound and they like show you what the parents are kind of like seeing as they look around the room and seeing how people react to it all and how people like you know applaud and like some people stand up some dad stands up and 
I thought it was really, really touching <laughs> yeah. there. And you fast forward, and I think you kind of get people to convince themselves or like convinced that, yes, this is something that you can do. Maybe from seeing the concert and also from Leo himself, um, they let her go audition at Berkeley. She's late, forgets the sheet music. Um, but, you know, Mr. V's here to stay to save the day. The family sneaks Dude. in upstairs, and they like, you know, and then she, I loved the moment when she realizes that she sees them and she starts doing like the sign for the the words uh, to the song and like the people who are judging her like you know they look up and see the parents they just don't care I think they're even amused by it um, and in then it like culminates into like this montage of like um, you know her waiting for the ex- you know the uh, whether or not she gets in. The, the parents kind of interacting with the community, feeling a part of the community as like Leo said that this is something that we wanted to do. If we get it up right, we can like interact with the, the hearing folk, if as they say. And they do like, I mean, you see like the mom interacting with all the hearing bitches as she wants to call them. <laughs> and uh, um, no like one. she's laughing with them and you see the Leo and his dad walk into the bar and they're greeted with like a big community welcome. And um, because I think it just shows that the success of their business allows them to have like that stature in town that they are, you know, truly members of that community. And then like um, Ruby gets that she's accepted into Berkeley and like, they go crazy about it. And she goes and sees Mr. V they have a huge, huge, you know, thing. And then, kind of ends with her going off the the Berkeley. Yeah, dude, I actually had forgotten to mention the spring concert or whatever it mm-hmm. is where she did the duet, but to your point, dude, that was incredible and I'm so glad they did that uh and took that note in terms of from sound to the parents' perspective mm-hmm. because and my fear was you saw them talking about what they were going to eat for dinner as they were sitting there yeah. and I was scared she was going to see that and be super discouraged and like run off, not run off the stage, but not do as well as she could be, mm-hmm. could do. And I'm glad that she didn't do that. But then you had this moment where it was complete silence and they were watching everybody's reaction. And there was a really touching scene after that when her dad wants to hear her sing and he puts her, his hands to her throat to, I guess, feel the vibrations. Mm. I realized how hard that must be, but how also incredible it is that they have this child who is so gifted at this one thing that they'll never be able to get from her. So they can only see her talent through the eyes of others. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's yeah. – and it's something that she's so passionate about, but they'll never be able to fully understand. And it's just kind of that matter of getting as close to it as possible. And so I think, honestly, that was more or less the the backbone of this whole, whole film, them trying to understand her and her trying to understand them as well because – they have this whole little deaf community. I mean, and she even talks about how she feels that she's not necessarily part of the group with her mom. And she asked her mom, you know, when I was born, did you, what did you hope I could hear? Did you wish I was deaf? And her mom says that she wished that she had been born deaf because the mom and the mom's mom. So I guess her Ruby's grandmother didn't have the greatest relationship, but, and she was scared that because of that difference, she wouldn't be able to be a good mom. But Mm -hmm. I think overall, by the end of the film, there's this cathartic sense of just understanding. And I think that just really helps to solidify this film. And I think that's even actually highlighted earlier in the movie that um, when she says, like, if I was blind, would you have been a painter? It's like kind of signaling that um, 
that like the mom is actually kind of worried that Ruby is like you know doing interests that like no one in her family can actually like participate in, and I think that is worrying to the family as a whole, except for with the exception of like Leo, I think, um, because and yeah, I think you had you made a really excellent point with that like the entire movie is kind of like this, you know. It, it's acceptance or understanding rather of each other's like differences and overcoming those differences and accepting them for who they are and allowing each other to kind of be who they want to be not tied down by that singular uh, characteristic that the community or rather the world kind of like will paint them as so Definitely, definitely. So what were your overall thoughts on the movie? I liked it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very heartwarming. Like I think the ending had a very like, you know, uh sincere kind of heartfelt ending. Um it was good overall. Uh definitely had some pain points. I, I brought up a couple. I mean, if I really want to get nitpicky, I could definitely get nitpicky about the film, but uh, and I think I was already a little nitpicky about like Miles just being completely cut from the, the movie entirely. Um, and I, I just would have liked to, I don't know. I, I think it was good overall. I think I would have liked to see a little bit more of um, Ruby's like personal like, character development through the lens of like, you know, Mr. V and that aspect of it, I felt like that was always cut so short and um, given much more time to her family, which was great because I think her family's just, it's all around just great acting and just like, um, just a really awesome, just like family dynamic and like the way that she tries to overcome that by having this interest that they can enjoy is really uh, wonderful to watch. Like, um, but yeah, overall, it was a good movie. What'd you think? Well, Charlie, as much as I disliked licorice pizza, I liked it. It's <laughs> <So I'll say laughs> okay. probably the best way to put it. Honestly, I think it was my favorite film that I've watched so far okay. from this season. Okay. I, I really enjoyed it. It's interesting because, as I mentioned before, I thought it was kind of going to be more along the lines of, sa- of The Sound of Metal, like a little grungy, mm-hmm. like a little like uh, sometimes raw and not hard to watch, but I knew I thought it would be really emotional, mm-hmm. but I was happy to find that it was quite heartwarming and as you said sincere and i thought all of the characters were rich with the exception of miles (laughs) uh (laughs) but i thought he was still necessary and i just loved how it all kind of came together and it was the ending you would i guess say expect but it was still one that i appreciated Mm -hmm. that's a good way to put it yeah yeah definitely definitely well there's nothing else to say palmer no, I loved it, man. All right. Oh, no. My camera died at the last second. Well, that's unfortunate. Uh, <sighs> I should have charged it for... I should have started charging it earlier. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, well, thanks so much for listening, everyone. This has been the What You Got Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Budd. Joining with me, as always, is the wonderful Jordan Palmer. Be sure to watch our podcast or listen to it every Monday evenings. You can follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts, make sure to subscribe on our YouTube channel where our episodes will be up. Uh, Well, now this should be the same day. So 
keep an eye out for that and make sure to follow us on social media and let us know what your thoughts on Coda are if you've seen them and Palmer why don't you give them the social media links one more time absolutely bud you can follow us on instagram at what you got podcast what you spell w-h-a-t-c-h-a or on twitter at what you got cast what you spell the same way and until next time where we'll come at you with probably another oscar film so see you then